0: Welcome to Wholeness, a podcast for women. Explore and connect with your feminine body and discover your wholeness through simple embodied practices and open conversations. With women's yoga therapist, Kate Payne, and women's physiotherapist, Taryn Gordon.
1: we are going to start with talking about menstruation. And I guess I think a great place to start is why we chose to talk on this topic to begin with. And yeah, why we, we chose to start at the, at the beginning, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think when we look at the life cycle of a woman, menarche that first period really is that introduction into being a woman and it flows through then from menstruation all the way through to menopause in terms of significant pathways and milestones and rites of passage and transitions before we then move into the older years where we really become the wise woman so I think it's the perfect place to start.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful and I think one of the the main topics that we wanted to talk around was how how are we initiated and welcomed into this new phase in our life and how it then affects our understanding and our embodiment as a woman, and how we view our body and how we feel in our body, because the narrative that really begins at that pivotal moment and phase in our life can really then continue throughout each of those life changes, transition phases. And so perhaps we begin with talking around what is the current narrative and how women are. Uh, welcomed into this phase in their life in particularly in our western culture
2: yeah absolutely I always love starting with stories, so maybe you could share if you can remember Mm -hmm. your introduction like your first period and then the narrative that you were taught, because we certainly are subjects of our environment and the information that we receive as young women, perhaps you'd be open to sharing some of your story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, as a, like growing up, I was a very high level gymnast. And the story for gymnasts was that as soon as you got your period, that your time as a gymnast had really expired so this was a moment in your life that once you got your period that it was all down from downhill from here in terms of how you can perform as an athlete so certainly I had this very functional view of my body and a really high regard as to how it could perform as a gymnast so. When I got my period, it was it was a you know a conversation with my mother and some introduction to um, period products. but more for me, it was a, like a, a feeling in my body like, "Oh, that's it for me as a gymnast now." and it was the, that sort of confrontation um, that was really the challenge for me. And then because I was a high-level gymnast and training a lot, it was long times in between each period. So that sort of not knowing, like, I've had a bleed, when will it come back again? It was, I think, about another six months till I experienced a second uh, period. And so that constant, you know, I feel like we've all had this, um, experience of seeing another girl at school who's bled into her school uniform, and the whole school was talking about it. And I could, I can remember just being concerned, like because I don't know when this next period is coming. Is it just going to show up at some time, and I'm going to be really embarrassed because I've bled through my uniform, and everyone's going to know about it. Um, so there was that uh, that shame there and that I guess it was just a concern like when is this going to creep up on me again sensation and then of course I've got lots of story that I can continue with from there but I feel like that's the main sort of how it felt for me and my body was that okay your time as an athlete is up
2: and I think that's probably a really common narrative for a lot of young women as well, particularly those that are into sport or into activity, uh, as you as most young people are, and then it is this seen as this real hindrance to that activity. And it's interesting you speak about the not knowing when the next period is going to come, and there seems to be uh, quite a lack of information around. The signs of and the changes and the shifts that you would experience in your body that would give you those indicating signs that your period is is on its way, the changes in breast tenderness or um, a, a softening through the abdominal um, area and changes in discharge, vaginal discharge and things like that that young women can use as indicators for when their period is on its way particularly because as we both know the typical uh length of a cycle varies from woman to woman and so this idea of every single woman having a 28-day cycle is actually incorrect and it's false information that we've been that we've been given and taught and so to have the education and the information of the signs of when your menstrual cycle um, or your menstruation is coming, then I think that would alleviate a lot of this stress and anxiety that young women and women into their 20s and 30s and and 40s really right up until uh, menopause that you have some sort of indication of when you are going to bleed and so you can be prepared for that.
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and that story in itself um the the reason why I was so concerned as to not knowing when the next bleed was become like was to come was really around the the mindset and the belief that periods are also dirty and shameful and something to hide um and so it's the understanding of your body and learning to read your body and knowing its, its language and how it's communicating with you, that but also the whole cultural mindset of, you know, what is a period and how we do view it as something that is dirty and shameful and something to hide. Uh, do you want to share your story around uh, your first bleed and how you were introduced to your menstrual cycle?
2: yeah sure it's an interesting one and a short one because i honestly don't have any memory of it so i'm assuming that it was a relative non-event i'm sure of course that i was like you introduced to sanitary products and i know that i would have been using pads initially but beyond that I can't remember. I would need to I would need to ask my mum, but I don't know the age that I started bleeding. I know the age, certainly, that I went on to the contraceptive pill at 17. But prior to that, I could not tell you if it was 10, 11, 12, 14, 15. I really have no recollection of it at all. And so, as you can imagine, it clearly wasn't something that was Given as a rite of passage or certainly anything to write home about, yeah. and so really, once then I went on to the contraceptive pill, I didn't really have a period because I used to uh, skip the sugar, skip the sugar pills because I knew that it was after speaking to my GP I knew that it wasn't a real menstrual cycle anyway, and the understanding of the sugar pills being this indicator for a woman to feel like they're having this natural occurrence in their body when actually it's not that's not that's not what's happening it's just dropping one of the hormone one of the synthetic hormones out and so for the next 10 years until I was 26 I virtually had no bleed at all and therefore spent that entire time Feeling like I had uh, won the lottery, really, because this hindrance and this burden of having this monthly bleed was was gone, and I could move through the world in this very masculine way, and I could do all of the things, and I could, you know, swim anytime I wanted, and travel, and do all of these fun, amazing things without thinking oh, am I going to have my period on my birthday or is that going to come at Christmas time or I've got this holiday to Thailand? Is it going to happen then? Am I going to have to pack sanitary products? How am I going to swim in the ocean? How am I going to swim in the pool? All of those things that are so common for women to be thinking and experiencing, I didn't have to experience any of those things. And then it wasn't really until I decided to come off the pill in preparation for wanting to give my body a couple of years of not being on the contraceptive pill before my husband and I decided to have that, you know, we were planning a family. Uh, It wasn't really until that moment that I realized just how important this natural occurrence of a menstrual cycle is for women but even more so than that how pivotal and important it is to fertility
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and I hear that a lot I hear that a lot from women that I see as clients uh, who are moving through uh, fertility issues um, on their way to pregnancy and I hear that a lot that women. And having had that experience myself, that this importance of the menstrual cycle is not truly understood until we move into that phase of our life where we would like to have children.
1: Totally. And that is the same for me with the women who I often see and work with is that whole experience of, they were put onto the pill or some kind of contraceptive at a very young age. And often the the actual reason and the underlying reason for your mum taking you into the GP to be prescribed the pill had nothing to do with contraception. Um, so for me, it was I had some acne and my mum suggested, like, like, let's go and talk to the doctor about what we can do to help with that. And... Then, of course, the answer was the pill. And so I went on to the pill. And then I had the journey of from the pill to the implanon. Um, and then the implanon was, you know, working pretty well for me. And then same to, in preparation for wanting to have children, decided that when I was getting married, I was like, well, I want to give my body a couple of years rest before um, I, you know, fall pregnant with um, children. and. Luckily for me my my period did return and came back with regularity um, and I was I felt a lot of comfort in that of like okay I've got a regular cycle happening here and I can sort of trust that you know the although you still can't always be sure but I had this um sense of security that yes I, I feel like I can um get pregnant and have children. But the confronting thing for a lot of women is that they, they had no idea um, that once they came off the pill that maybe their period wouldn't return for a long time and their journey then really begins. And one thing I also wanted to highlight from your what you were talking there around, we don't realise the importance of our menstrual cycle until we perhaps want to have children, create a family. But I feel like even that is a very functional view of, okay, I want to have a cycle now so that I can get pregnant and create a family. Whereas now, and I know this is the same with you, that your connection to your cycle is so far beyond just a physical and functional thing that it becomes a connection piece to your body a way that helps you to move through your world in communication with your body in a way that suits your own rhythm and it affects your creativity and your intuition and spirituality. So it becomes way more than just a a way that your body functions.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And imagine a world where that was the narrative that we were instilling in young women so when women learn about that the the menstrual cycle and that first period arriving that they have this this depth of understanding of a woman's body not just like you say from a functional anatomy physiological perspective but that they also understand the energetics behind that and that, We understand this connection, this deep connection and reflection of a woman's body with then what's happening in the natural world, the same way that we see as we move through the different seasons and cycles on this planet, that a woman's body replicates or mirrors that cycle and those seasons, and that the menstrual cycle is a key component of that. And certainly in the yogic pathway, we talk about the menstrual cycle as being a very pivotal rite of passage because it really does build this intuitive sense and this intuitive nature within us. It really does create this deep, deep connection with consciousness and it's a very powerful part of being a woman. So absolutely it, it, it goes far beyond the functional aspects of of what's just happening in the human body as such. Perhaps we could have a look at some of, we've been speaking backwards and forwards about this current narrative of menstruation, because we obviously with our journeys have had quite, we've both had quite significant journeys and to arrive at this point in time. But for a lot of women, the narrative is one of hindrance. It is one of inconvenience and burden. So perhaps we could have a look at what really, you know, the narrative is now for majority of women. Because I would say that our views and uh, those of the women that uh, we sit in circle with would be somewhat different to the women then that we see in clinical practice.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because in my work what I'm noticing is that the younger women who I'm seeing are often, I'm seeing them at a point where they're in their early 20s and they're not really wanting to become uh, to be medicated and they're not wanting to have the pill or you know, other forms of contraception and are really getting connected with their cycle um, but I feel like it's because of the women who I call into my work and who are attracted to working with me I do get a little bit of this warped perception that oh the world's changing and I get really excited and I hope that that is true and I do sense that is true but I feel like um, what the, the vast majority of women um, do see this as a really inconvenient, um, a burden, uh, their bleed time particularly, and that can be, and I get it, because of um, the pain that they experience or really heavy bleeding, um, and some of the uh, symptoms that go along with their period. Uh, but I also feel like that's an invitation to really become curious around what is their body telling them and what what is, um, not to lay blame on themselves that they're doing something wrong or anything like that, but just to be like, okay, what what is my body uh, showing me here? But it's because I sense We are so unwilling to slow down and we are so unwilling to have that phase in our cycle of more stillness, more being, the slowness. Like imagine if a woman just knew, yes, we might not feel so great on the days leading up to or day one of our bleed. What if that was just a time where we could retreat and we could sit in reflection and we could spend more time in bed that day and have a more nourishing, gentle, relaxed approach to life, but it's because we're so stuck in this mindset and this um, societal uh, appreciation of productivity, and you know, we want we're driven to just do more and more and more, and because we really have this challenge with just doing, uh, just being rather than doing, you know, that's a really hard space to then be okay with that rhythm of your cycle when the world outside of us doesn't appreciate that rhythm. And I feel like the change has to come within them. Like we have to then appreciate that this cycle does serve us and that this rhythm does serve and then create a lifestyle that somehow reflects that.
2: Absolutely. I think it's important to mention here, and I would love your thoughts on this, this normalization of Pain and discomfort, uh, because when I read online how women describe their periods, particularly how they would describe them to men, there's there's a big pain piece that comes into that that they're they're uncomfortable, they're excruciatingly painful. It feels like someone is running um, knives through my abdomen. Uh, you know, it, it's uncomfortable to use any form of uh, sanitary products. There's, and I, I sense that we have really normalized this idea of pain and needing to have heat packs and spend time in bed, and you know you'll have to take two days off, but you can't. And so therefore, perhaps the contraceptive pill is better for you because then it means you can just plough through, and you don't need to worry about the inconvenience of that pain. But it's like we've normalized this disease in the body, and in actual fact, when We look to a lot of the Eastern style um, lineages of Ayurveda and um, traditional Chinese medicine. They would say that pain and discomfort on the level that these women are describing is actually, there's actually an imbalance balance in the body and that actually needs to be addressed and not normalized the way that we in the west have normalized this idea of periods being painful and that's normal and you'll just have to deal with that i'd
1: love your thoughts on that that takes my mind in so many different places but one thing it really um, stands out for me is this idea that the pill or some kind of hormonal contraception is going to be your answer to balancing your hormones. And um, women who I've worked with who have, and it's often the marina, um, they're using uh, the marina and saying to me, like, when it was um, first inserted, how excruciatingly painful it was and how they were laying on the floor in their bathroom for days afterwards and how even now they just sense in their body it doesn't feel right but it's the, the kind of the better option to the heavy periods but then when you really listen to the words that they're saying it, it hasn't been the resolve and it hasn't been the answer and often the message from their gps is just stick with it for a little bit longer we just have to ride this wave and once your body has found its rhythm uh, with this medication, then you'll find that balance that you're looking for and that is through your bleed time. And so the first thing I want to say is often what we're sold as being the answer doesn't solve the problems, um, but we're just convinced that we just have to stick it out for just a little bit longer The second piece there that I I just feel like the the pain comes from, it is your body, this is my sense, telling you it wants you to slow down. And it doesn't mean like (laughs) it has to find our attention some way. And so by creating this pain and creating this need to stop, like it literally stops women in their tracks. Because they haven't slowed down through their you know through this part of their cycle, and have we just tuned in, and this is not a blame thing, um so I really want to make sure that we, this is not a wronging of women's bodies and it's not a wronging of how we uh are currently listening and tuning in, but I do sense there's this piece of. We, we ignore and ignore and ignore and push on, push on, push on. And so our body has to find bigger, more amplified, more voluminous ways to get our attention. And often is through the, the pain and the really heavy cycle. Um, and I feel like too, there's this whole other piece of how do we nourish our bodies, um, you know, through sleep and movement and how we what we actually eat um, and so what we, we to push on through the cycle often we increase our caffeine nothing again caffeine is often wrong um, and I actually don't have anything against caffeine but we increase our caffeine we increase our sugar intake um, maybe we just press on with more vigorous exercise because you know that will help us feel feel uh, better in our body as well rather than <clears throat> just toning it down, bring it down and listening to the body. So the push on further amplifies the distress in the body and its need for rest.
2: Yes, I agree. And when we look to nature as the mirror for what's happening in a woman's body, when we look to trees as an example that are deciduous, they lose their leaves in the wintertime because they don't have the sustenance to hold onto those leaves during the winter period when there's less sunshine and less uh, nutrients in the earth for them to uh, absorb and keep that as a vibrant tree. And so they shed their leaves and then when the springtime comes they start to grow their leaves back and we see that as a reflection in the menstrual cycle. I also wanted to chat about this idea uh, that women have around their menstrual cycle being just their bleed time.
1: Mm.
2: When the menstrual cycle, menstruation is the bleed time, uh-huh. the menstrual cycle is the cycle in its entirety. Uh-huh. Could you talk a little bit about your experience with clients, people that you, patients that you see, uh, perhaps the narrative around this idea of you get through your bleed time and then what's happening in your body beyond that? It's just, you know, we can, we can go back to normal. Life can return to normal outside of that four or five or, or seven is, is still normal uh, length of bleed time.
1: Hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, the focus, like you're saying, is around the bleed time and uh, the the number of days, the heaviness and the pain, and that's often why women are focusing on that. <clears throat> excuse me, because this is the time in their cycle where they experience these these symptoms these Disease in their body and so our attention is naturally pulled there as a place to really um, consider this as our period and our cycle what i what comes to mind when you talk about like all the phases of the cycle is the missed opportunities that we have to be in communication with our body and like just sense these really subtle changes in our body through these other phases in our cycles. And I love that you keep bringing nature in as the reflection because it really is that, you know, summer, autumn, winter, spring in the body. And of course, um, I really err on the side of caution of saying to women, this is how you feel. And this is, you know, the reflection, um, you know, this is more your winter time during the bleed time. And, um, you know, the, The ovulation is more your radiant summer because that is just a way often that women can feel like, oh, I should be feeling these things during this part of my cycle and I don't feel like that so there's something wrong with my body. Um, But what I feel like is this is an opportunity to tune into all the different phases and become curious in your body as to how do I feel outside of just the bleed time um, and how like depending on uh, who you are as a person, um, what your vision is for your life, what's important to you, you can then use those more subtle changes in your body to help understand your world and how you move through your world and help you to then also create a rhythm in your own own life. Um, And I'm not sure that I really answered your question, but that is what comes to mind, is the the missed opportunities of seeing the complete cycle. Mm.
2: And the opportunity to view, as you mentioned, your own body as something that is unique, unique to you, unique to your experience, your lifestyle, your relationships, your mindset. That it is so unique to each individual woman. And yet we have so many one size fits all approaches. So you mentioned one the seasonal, the idea of uh, when you're bleeding, that this is your inner winter and you should be feeling this and this is the best time to do this. And then when you're ovulating, it's your summertime and it's the best time to do this and you should be feeling like this. And that, uh, you know, that, that anyone who has pain with their uh, period, that they should, you know, look at uh, hormonal contraceptive as a way of minimising or reducing or eliminating that pain. There's all of these one-size-fits-all models, even when we look past the medical model. So, you know, talking about the seasons of inner winter and summer and ovulation being linked to that, they're not medicalized models they are esoteric models right so we're even seeing in the esoteric world this one size fits all modeling as well and very rarely do you read or or hear that despite this one that this is just a framework that women you know have have access to work within but there, there doesn't seem to be this continual reiteration that every woman's body is different. We will all come with different experiences. And I think that is something that is really important to talk about and will be critical in creating a new narrative for women.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I have... You know, I've seen the different uh, in the more esoteric, as you said, um, this you know energetic spiritual connection to the cycle. It is often, and you will feel, and the explanation of how you will feel. Um, and in my book that I've just written, um, certainly I do talk about the connection to your cycle, the different phases, and how you might. Feel, but very much so like you said this reiteration continuously that you feel how you feel and trying to push yourself to feel something different other than you do is not true body connection and that is the whole purpose of connecting to your cycle is one, the body connection and the energetic body connection around that more subtle changes and connecting to how your intuition changes and how you might feel creatively different in different parts of your cycle. And I think that's one thing that we really have, like, and there's many ways that we failed women in, in um, in our approach to wellness and health, but, this one size fits all is a very important point. That um, when we don't view our body as unique, our lifestyle as unique, our experience as unique, and it's just again a way that we have to then try and fit ourselves into this, you know, round peg into a square hole. Is it the other way around?
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> to push yourself to fit this uh, certain framework um without the 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 fluidity and the flexibility and the whole the whole point is to connect to you your body your rhythm which only you will ever know no one else can teach you that other than you um, so I find it really um, just you know laughable really when you see people teaching you um, and saying that this is how you will feel or how you must feel and then wronging women and their body for not feeling that way yeah I feel like I've just mm. repeated what you said but it's so important that we really understand that piece and this um you know what is a healthy cycle versus not a healthy cycle I feel like we've really um you know it doesn't have to be 28 days every single month um you know there can be some inconsistencies and some changes your body doesn't feel the same and doesn't respond the same to its external environment and internal environment every single day month year and we just don't allow for that flexibility and fluidity and even when you go back to the first stages of your introduction to your cycle, what I feel like we really do is like rather than allowing the body to have time to find its natural rhythm, it's like we say, Oh, that's wrong. We wrong it as soon as something falls out of this textbook model criteria and then say, and now your answer is something outside of yourself, something external like your medication, to fix your broken body whereas you know teenage girls yes we do have we get some pimples we get some acne and rather than going down this you know what can we do naturally but also can't it just be a phase in your life that that's what happens
2: Mm. yes absolutely We are paving a new chapter for women as well. When we look to, you know, 60 years ago, when your average woman was having a lot more children than your average woman is having today. And so there were big periods of time of pregnancy and then lactation and so amenorrhea as it would be defined the absence of period but through pregnancy and postpartum and lactation and then you know and then the birth of pregnancy and then birth of the next child and so on and so forth so if you think of our ancestors who perhaps had 8 10 12 children and now on average people have 1 to 3 children it, we are having an experiencing a cycle like we have not seen before and so we don't really even have energetically let alone scientifically a lot of data around how that impacts on a woman's physiology let alone their their mental state. And then with the introduction, then of course, of the contraceptive pill uh, back in the 60s as this, you know, wonderful way of preventing pregnancy. And then over time, this wonderful way of uh, uh, preventing pain around periods and fixing skin conditions and all of these other all of these other aspects we we really are at a point in time similar might i say to uh the coronavirus that we see in the world right now we've not seen uh the world in this state quite like this before and we really are paving a new way and creating a new narrative right now in this moment. And I think for women, we are doing the same thing. We are creating a new narrative, one that says there is not a one size fits all approach to women's health, to a woman's body, to a woman's life cycle. In any form, of lineage whether that be a western medical model or an eastern or an eastern one or an esoteric one there is no one size fits all model and so how do we start to support women when we don't really have a framework then as such to work with and i think that's when this idea of education information combined with deep body connection will pave the way forward for women to feel like they can move through something like their menstrual cycle with ease and connection and it won't be shameful or a burden and we will celebrate this natural occurrence. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, totally agree with the whole you know women's bodies are very challenging to study because we do not fit the scientific model of having a uh, consistent and uh, what's the word I can't even think of that um, you know we, we have all the variables so we don't have the consistency that's required to even study because so it's just like, oh, that's too hard. Let's study it in a man instead. Um, and so the the amount of understanding that we have is somewhat limited but, of course, is evolving and continues to grow. And the availability of this, of what we know, is so available to us nowadays. One, because we have the internet We have access to the information and two because we have more willing women to talk about these things that were and still are seen as really taboo topics not to be talked about um topics so the narrative in itself in that way is starting to shift and change and when you said like without this framework how do we even know, and the thing that immediately came to my mind was like, "But your body is the framework, and you led on to say that so with the with this the understanding, because we do need an awareness and understanding of i don't like the word normal, but what is healthy um so that we can we can take our own uh monitoring of our body and and know when it is appropriate to seek." medical advice or alternative therapies or a combination of the two um and you know women like we don't often even have the basics of the vulva the vagina the clitoris like where where our anatomy what where we sit anatomically um let alone going into the more physiological understandings of a menstrual cycle that has three different phases, that has different lengths, that has a bleed time that can vary. Um, and, but we need this information so that we can seek assistance when required, uh, But also, I feel like one of the biggest things that we don't have is our trust in our own body, our own body's wisdom and our own connection to our body. And what I often see is women asking other people, I'll give a great example of a, um, in a Facebook group that I was in the other day, um, and a woman describing her experience of being on hormonal contraception and how it threw her her periods out of control, how they got so much more painful, how her symptoms had increased. She was getting headaches. She felt depression and was asking um, other people, what has been your experience and should I stick with this was really the, the question and my response um, was I feel like your body has already given you the answer. And we don't, um, and often that's my question to women, how does this feel in your body? What, what do you sense around this? Like I don't have the answers for you. I've got some scientific understanding knowledge that I can offer to fill in some of the gaps and the pieces of missing information that you might have. But ultimately, you have the answer and you have the knowing, and your body has the inner knowing, but we're not teaching women, and in fact, actually, we're teaching women the opposite, that your body is broken, it's something to be fixed, don't trust it, it's irrational, it's incapable, it's erratic, and so we, we don't have that innate trust in our body, and so we're questioning our own judgement and our own selves.
2: Yes, absolutely. So where do we begin then? We've spoken a lot about cycle awareness around, you know, you've just said it right then, you know, questioning, um, questioning yourself, you knowing the answer already, your body or being in communication with your body, you already know the answer to so many of the questions and then you use the health practitioner to fill in the gaps, yeah? Rather than handing the power over, and having them create the narrative, as well as filling in the gaps. So would you like to share some of your beautiful questions that you have from your book around how women can start to tune into their cycle, the questions that they can be asking, which are simple, And something that they can be doing at any part of their cycle to start to really track over that whole period of, uh, we call it a month, but let's, you know, let's call it the cycle, the length of their cycle, knowing that it can change every month. I don't think I have had uh, a bang on same day cycle forever, probably. It's there about, you know, give or take a few days either side. But how can women be starting to question what's what's some of these beautiful questions that you
1: have? I've got a list of more questions around um, your connection to your cycle and your contraception choices um, which we can put in show notes because that's quite a few more questions. But I feel like on a really simple and body wisdom is so simple, um, simple questions you can ask yourself. How am I feeling physically? How am I feeling emotionally? How do I feel energetically? And really importantly, what would feel nourishing to me? And they, they are really simple questions, but these are the connection pieces and your body will naturally give you the answer. You don't need to force anything to come up. And then the next piece to that, when you're connecting with your cycle, is allowing the answer to be the answer How do I feel physically? Oh, I feel a little bit lethargic. I feel a little bit lower in energy. That doesn't mean there's something wrong. It means that you feel a little bit tired and that's okay. We don't wake up every day bouncing out of bed, wanting to go for a run. And, you know, that's what we would sell as the ideal wellness, you know, but we are human beings and we live on this spectrum of Energy, emotion, physical experience. And so we don't need to wrong feeling tired. What would feel nourishing for me? Oh, I'm going to have a green smoothie and I'm going to go for a walk instead of a run and I'm going to read a book um, and watch my children play rather than um, forcing myself to go to the park and climb on the equipment. For example, like ask the question. Let the, the answer be the answer, find the nourishment for your body, and that is how you find your rhythm. And then that's how you work your natural rhythm into your days so of it's tuning in, listening to the answer, planning your day around that, and then also knowing that the answer can be throughout the day. You might start the day off feeling a little bit more tired and needing that nourishment and that slowness. And then by the afternoon, you don't feel like that anymore. It's allowed to change. It's allowed to be different. And it doesn't have to be the same. Every time you ovulate, you don't have to be feeling like you're in this sparkly, energetic, socializing, sexual goddess. You know, that's maybe how you feel. But your menstrual cycle isn't the only thing that's determining your experience. You know, you have your relationship with your partner, your children's. the Nature outside of you and the environment outside of yourself, it is all having an effect on us. So, whilst I say tune into your body and tune into your cycle, that's not the only thing that's going to determine. So, you allow it just to be whatever it is, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's one aspect that's such a beautiful point to make that it's one aspect of the woman in her entirety in her wholeness
1: yes in her wholeness one
2: one aspect one aspect menstrual cycle one aspect ah such a juicy conversation perhaps we'll finish with speaking a little bit about how we can combine those questions which are more at the level of mind and asking it from the intellect with some practices or some suggestions on getting familiar with the actual physicality of the body at both um, at both a, a form aspect so that the things that we can actually touch and then the energetics and I think we both love practices that tap into the womb space energetically not 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 just in terms of the physical womb but the actual the pelvic bowl breathing into the pelvic bowl uh, physical touch so our actual hands physically touching this area to become familiar with how that feels to even bring physical touch to that space and when we combine that with these potent and powerful questioning Uh, that we gather so much insight and we create our own body of knowledge around our own
1: body yes yeah I love that Um, yeah my my simple practice and um, it often is bringing your hands onto the womb space so really just bringing the the fingers to touch um, or fingertips to touch onto the pubic bone, the hands, the heels of the hands to rest onto the hips and the thumbs to touch. And for some women, this in itself can feel like a confronting practice. And so if that doesn't feel comfortable, resting hands at heart space or somewhere else, Um, and just observing that. So if it feels uncomfortable, don't wrong yourself for that. Uh, don't wrong your body or your experience. Just be bringing awareness to that. And with any of these practices that we share throughout this entire podcast series, my number one thing would always be to say, you are your guide and you navigate these in a way that feels really safe. So safety is always of the utmost importance that your body is your home and it is a place that you should always feel safe in. So if if anything doesn't feel comfortable, be okay with that and observe and choose something different. Uh, And, yeah, just to close down the eyes. And what I really like to do is to feel into the tune and the rhythm of the breath and how the body responds to the breath so often i'll have women you know perhaps laying on your back with the the knees spread wide and the feet to touch like in that beautiful butterfly position with some support if needed closing down the eyes tuning into the breath and just breathing in and out through the nose and first just to observe the the breath into the rib cage and how the rib cage moves with the breath. Spending a little bit of time there and then moving the awareness to the abdomen and then sensing that change of belly bulging or softening with the breath in. And then as you breathe out, feel that very gentle recoil of the belly button towards the spine with each breath out but as you're doing that, you don't need to force the movement, but just observing the movement in the body and then focusing the attention on to, towards the pelvic bowl and in particular to the pelvic floor. And as you breathe in, sensing that softening, that opening, the giving of the pelvic floor with each breath in and then with each breath out, Again, that very gentle recoiling of the pelvic floor, that inwards and upwards lift of the pelvic floor, and just noticing how the body responds with the breath. And I feel like that's a really beautiful practice just in itself, to tune inwardly and just to notice how your body moves without force, without having to clench and tighten and move things, that your body is naturally moving with its own intelligence in its own way and responding to the breath. And then as you've moved in towards the pelvic bowl and sensing the pelvic floor, perhaps just um, focusing your attention and awareness to womb space and the space in your body that you feel is occupied by the uterus, womb and just asking yourself those questions. How am I feeling physically in my body? How do I feel emotionally? How do I feel energetically? And what would feel nourishing? And you don't have to, of course, ask all of those questions, but that gives a nice potential framework for you to feel into, maybe it's just one of those questions, what would feel nourishing for me? And then just letting the the answer naturally arise, observing, and then taking action from that place. So I feel that that's a really beautiful, simple, you know, it's breath into the body, observation of the body and how it moves with the breath, uh, simple practice that you don't, you don't need any particular oil or candle or um, anything other than just yourself and your body. Amazing. Anything that you would like to add to uh, to practices or
2: practice? I think that one's perfect. I have a womb breathing guided audio practice on SoundCloud that we can link to, which is very similar to that. So if people wanted to use a guided form to get them started, mm-hmm. then they could pop that on and then at the very end, of that guided piece they could drop these questions in and I think that would be very powerful and a beautiful way to begin this process.
1: Absolutely. And I have uh, myself done real guided practice and I can say it's very beautiful, calming, connecting. And so, yeah, we'd love to uh, connect our listeners with that and our women with that. Um So all that's left to say, is thank you so much for such a great conversation. I always love being um, in conversation with you, Kate, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this all unfolds and goes um, to from here.
2: Me too, I echo all of that. I feel the same about sitting in conversation with you. And we will pop up all of these notes and any references that we've spoken about. We can pop links to studies and um, articles and things that we've made reference to or spoken with, about with information and as well as those practices and those beautiful questions that you've got. We'll pop that all up onto the show notes page for the women to access.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing, and I always say, oh, this is the last thing. This is the last thing I will say too, is that this is about generating conversation. And so we do really invite your questions, your comments and conversation because we are really, uh, we're we're embodied practitioners and use our own experience to um, share and teach But also connection is a huge value of both of ours. And we we do really want to connect to the women who are listening to this and want to uh, answer any questions that you might have. And so it might be... Um, a question in the uh, podcast sorry when we present into our Instagram for example but I always do invite to because this is really personal and inner work um, that if you want to send a personal message to either myself or Kate that we would welcome that as well and then we can share answers on future episodes and things like that as well
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Wholeness Podcast. We invite you to look at the show notes where you'll find reflective questions and links to practices that accompany this episode. Join our community on Instagram by searching wholeness podcast or one word and join the Embodied Woman Club, spelt W-O-M-B-A-N. On Clubhouse, where we invite you to share in real time, multi dimensional conversations about women's health matters.